For the Boston-New York series, I'm sorry for New York fans that the Knicks have officially been knocked out after a four-game sweep and a 101-89 victory yesterday afternoon with, despite Carmelo Anthony's 32 points, the Celtics were able to come back. Uh, New York was able to cut the deficit as much as five. And then, sure enough, a determined defensive-minded Boston team was able to strike back and stretch the lead out to 11 with about two minutes left. And that's all she wrote as the Celtics sweep the Knicks once again, advance to the second round to play the winner of the Miami 76ers series, which actually has to go one more game to South Beach, hopefully for you Miami fans, because Drew Holiday and company upset the Knicks in the in Philadelphia State, in Philadelphia Arena. So, of course, everyone's debating with the last shot. LeBron is 1 for 8. This is Dwayne Wade is 0 for 5 with a less than 3-point deficit in the final 10 seconds. Of course, that won't come into a huge play until about the semifinals of the conference, but nonetheless, you got to put the ball in Flash's hands. Dwayne Wade has carried the team. He has been, he's playing like he's been playing in 2006. Very dark and bitter year for Mavericks fans. But nonetheless, Dwayne Wade has been playing, has been having a very stellar performance. Of course, another player had a stellar performance Rajon Rondo with 20 assists in Game 3, I think. I mean, that is old news, but it is very important. He is actually the fourth player to have 20 assists in a playoff game, joining names like Oscar Robinson and company. Very nice for the Celtics. I feel the Heat will close out this game going back to South Beach. The Pacers did drop, uh, did get a win over the Bulls, but, of course, Derrick Rose continuing to wow America with his MVP-like numbers. I could see the Bulls and Thibodeau's team clinching this series as well in four games. And a very surprising series with Atlanta having a 3-1 lead going into game five in Orlando. This team has been going under the radar the entire season. Jamal Crawford, Josh Smith, Jared Bayless, I'll just throw some names in there. Oh, Marcus Williams, this team is a very young, talented team, but the one key thing that I have noticed watching these playoff games is teams that have been together for the longest seem to do well. I'll take the Boston Celtics as my prime example every time, being able to go into the Garden and win two games, looking at the, I would say, Dallas, the Dallas-Portland series. Both those teams, I mean, Dallas with the additions of Pedro Stoyakovich and Tyson Chandler needed this year, uh, the Trailblazers just got Joe Wallace, but they have Brandon Roy, Marcus Aldridge, Batoon. This team and uh, Nate McMillan have kept this team together for a while. Those teams are very successful. And I'll also say that with the Oklahoma City Thunder, because they are a team that, with Durant, Westbrook, with the addition of Kendrick Perkins, is a very determined team. Going with a 3 0 series, because everyone thought this Denver series was. Oh, seven games. I mean, a very fun, fast series. Oklahoma City did survive the first game. Barely. Which is just enough. Survive in advance. And they've been able to win by very small margins, but just like the Boston-New York series, they were able to win on very key plays, very clutch shots. 
Russell Westbrook delivering the punch in game three and also in game one a controversial goaltend that went in. Given given uh, Oklahoma City a 107-103 lead in game one and 97-94 lead or win in game three. So Oklahoma City plays today, tonight 10:30 Eastern. Memphis, San Antonio plays today at 8 p.m. Eastern. And Dallas, Portland, back in D-Town for an 8.30 tip on NBA TV. Go to the National Hockey League now, where the Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills, who am I kidding? Buffalo Sabres are able to crunch out a loss, though. The Philadelphia Flyers, who am I saying? Philadelphia Flyers were able to they win the series, win the game 5-0. The Boston Bruins were able to win in overtime as well. We'll get to more hockey in a minute. As we will finish, uh, we'll go back to hockey and all the other sports, including Jeremy Leonega leaving and other stuff. But for now, um, we'll quickly transition to our guests on the show. Now, I've had a lot of I'd say important people on this show with wise sports knowledge, but I doubt I've had anyone with an impressive resume of averaging 20 points, six and a half boards his senior year, named Oscar Robinson National Player of the Year back in January, has been has played the NCAA tournament twice. He has two-time All-Patriot League. He was play, played in the Reese's College All-Star College Basketball All-Star Game this year, and he, he became the 28th student to. Eclipse the 1,000 point mark back in March, and I'm very happy to welcome American's own Vlad Mulvaney to the show. And if you don't believe me that he is here, Vlad, thank you once again for coming on the show. Oh, good morning. It was my pleasure. I have to ask, you had a very busy month of April. How has everything been going training-wise ever since the season ended? So it's been pretty crazy. You know, uh, two workouts a day, plus the strength and the conditioning stuff, and... Uh, the PIT, the college all-star game, and of course I wanted to graduate on time, so uh, I had to do my schoolwork, and I think I was the only guy doing school, uh, homework at the all-star game, you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, I promised my mom I would graduate, so I have to stay in school and graduate, and uh, now I'm kind of getting ready to transition to just a full-time professional basketball player. <laughs> I have to ask for those those two games. What was it like to play on the floor that the Final Four was played? That whole atmosphere of playing with guys like Andrew Godlock, uh, Gray for Pittsburgh, Wanamaker. What was it like playing with those guys on that floor in that atmosphere? Oh, it was it was great. I think uh, the best part about it was uh, kind of getting to see the Final Four games, um, uh, kind of seeing the the Butler practice right before we took the floor Friday. See, see how crazy it was, and uh, I, I feel kind of bad doing playing the Final Four, you know, but, like, when I think back about it, and it's just, uh, I wish I could have played in the Final Four, or, uh, like, a 316, a lit 8, and um, but it was, it was it was great. I mean, you can't really compare it to anything. Also, for the uh, Portsmouth Invitational, your team actually won that. What was it like to say that you guys are a winner of a prestigious post-college tournament? I think we had a very balanced team. 
uh, we didn't have those guys that everybody talks about, kind of taking shots, taking a lot of shots, and uh, I don't think we had a guy taking more than 13, 14 shots a game, and uh, that's why we won. Uh, we all made a point the first day that we're trying to win this. That's how we're going to get the best attention from the scouts. You know, nobody's going to be at the early games. Everybody's going to want to see the, the semifinals, the championship game. So um, that's how we started. We, we started with the right attitude, I think. You know, and, uh, when, the, when we first met, we also won a win. I think on a team with Rick Jackson from Syracuse, if I'm right. Yeah, it was Rick Jackson, Frank Hill from ODU, Jimmy Butler from Marquette. Uh, who else was it? Uh, Chris Warren from uh, Mississippi. We, we had a pretty good team, I think. <laughs> And say also uh, back to the the All Star game in Houston. What was it like having Jeff Jones as being an assistant coach for your team? Um, it, was, it was I think it was fun uh, to see him that way. You know, a lot more relaxed, uh, and uh, it was it was a different experience from uh, what I've been dealing with in the past two years. You know, but uh, I don't think I like that. <laughs> I wasn't used to it, and I don't think I like it. All right, uh, we got some questions from fans that submitted their questions on Facebook. And I'll start with Tom from Denver. He's asking, what is the process that you are going to participate and take to possibly enter the NBA draft? And what steps have you taken so far to give your ch- to yourself the best chance possible? Well, you have to stay in shape. So, uh, you have to work out every day. You know, it's not really the off season. It's kind of uh, it's, uh, get ready for a job interview. All these guys are judging you. All these guys are picking on you. You know, they interview you. Uh, kind of pick your brain, see what you're thinking, uh, see what your basketball IQ is. Uh, then they want to see you on the floor, and they want to see you in your uh, in your best shape. Uh, besides that, you just kind of get, get mentally ready for both sides. Not necessarily that I wouldn't make the NBA, but just because of the lockout, you might end up in Europe anyway. So it's just getting mentally ready for what's going to come next. You know, I'm not, I have no idea where I'm going to be next. Uh, well, I have a couple offers from Europe, so I know that's pretty much set, you know. just I know I have a good idea where I, I could end up in Europe, which is really good. But uh, regarding the NBA, uh, I got a couple of teams that call me, that call my mom, they call my agent. Uh, that should start the workouts and the interviews and all that kind of stuff. That should start like May 4th. Once the underclassmen kind of pull out or they decide whoever stays in. Because now until May 4th, everybody's looking at the underclassmen. All right, and also, um, Chris from Cleveland asks, is there a specific team that you've always dreamed of playing for? Uh, no, but I think I would have a lot of fun playing with LeBron or uh, with guys that can really pass the ball. They can create their own shots and they can just uh, take over games. Because... Uh, you really have to know your role in the NBA. It's it's crucial for a player's career. You know, if you look at uh, like European players like Pedro Sakovic, he knows his role. He does it really well. And uh, you can't just try to be the guy when you obviously can't be the guy. So I think that's the, that's the, that's the main thing. You're just kind of getting adjusted to being that guy that's just gonna hit open threes, gonna just make the easy plays and make the make the game easier for that main guy. All right, Zach from Santa Cruz, California, asks, if, you are, if you're not picked by an NBA team this summer, would you rather stay in the United States to pursue it or go abroad and play in Europe? No, I think uh, that perception of the NBDL being uh, so washed by the NBA and that uh, 
you get players that get picked up. Yeah, you get two players every year that get picked up. But if you look at the NBA draft, the following summer, you have at least four or five European players. So they clearly scout overseas. Uh, they're going to be examples in this year's draft. Um, so I don't think I would play in the NBDL. I think it's a financial decision too. It's not. It's not worth it for me financially to play in the NBDL. All right, uh, Julie from Cleveland asks. We've seen your great, and heard of your great athleticism and teamwork and leadership on the court. What have you done off the court that has contributed to your success at AU? Uh, I th- I think I'm just uh, just kind of trying to be myself, you know, uh, to try and communicate with people. I don't want people to think that, you know, oh, he's, he's that guy. He's that guy that you can't really talk to, you know. He's just, if people have questions, I'm just, they have questions about like college, about anything, and you know, I'm I'm here and like if they see me on the street, I don't want to be like, oh my god, that's lot like that's that's the worst thing that could possibly happen, and I just want to be another guy here. So, what was your time like at AU, and coming from George Mason to here, college from a college student's profes- like perspective, what was it like? Well, I think it was the best decision of my life. You know, American is a is a great school, and. uh I'm graduating in May with a great degree, you know, international media with a minor in history, and uh, you can't really replace that, you know. I've been talking to my mom for a long time, and she's always been stressing out, do you want to turn pro? Do you? No, I, I just want to get my degree first, and then we'll see what happens after, you know, I have time to play pro after. And uh, I've told my mom a lot of times, just on and off the court, it's been the best decision of my life right now. All right, uh, Connor from Boston, Massachusetts, wants to ask, what is, you have, I guess, a three-part question. First is, what is your pregame meal? My pregame meal? Salad, chicken parm, and pasta, and some fruit. You also want to know, what is on Vlad's iPod? On my iPod? Oof, that's tough. Uh, everything from country music to rock to hip-hop to... Uh, Romanian music, Greek music, uh, Persian music. You know, I got, I got everything on my iPod. Uh, I like all kind of music, and it just, it doesn't really matter to me as long as it kind of sounds good. I don't have like a genre that's, or like an artist that I prefer. Right, and also, um, who's the most influential person in your life? Um, I think it's my whole family. Like as a whole, uh, probably my mom is the most influential. If I have to pick one, but uh, I think it's my family. Uh, every time I make a decision, uh, I think about everyone that's that's involved and that could be affected by it. So that's my grandparents, my fiance. They all just uh, they all matter to me. And uh, when I make a decision, I think about them. Also, I want to know, growing up in Romania, who was your who were your idols growing up? That's tough because I had, uh, well, one of my friends was kind of my idol. He was a little older than me. Uh, I learned from him a lot. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, so that was tough for me. But, uh, well, you look up at NBA players and European players. I could name a couple of European players, but probably nobody knows them here because they kind of refused to play in the NBA. Uh, they just felt they weren't, it wasn't their, their type of game. And, uh, but players that, Everybody knows here is probably like Detlef Schrempf, who's pretty much the first really good European to play in the NBA. And then uh, I would say Dirk Nowitzki. I love watching him play. I love kind of just 
stealing from him, you know, stealing his moves and right. his shots and just the way he creates his own shot, um, not being really athletic but kind of using his length. Um, then I love I love watching Kobe. I love uh, his motor. I love the way he works, uh, the way he competes. You know, it's just you can't really beat that. If uh, if a guy wants to win that bad, just uh, you can't compete that. You can't beat that with talent. You can't beat it with anything. Just hard work. So you sort of take the dedication of Kobe Bryant with the finesse that Dirk Nowitzki has sort of apply it to your game? Yeah, I think, you know, you can't really take this lesson on Kobe Bryant, so you <laughs> definitely got to take uh, what's there for you to take. And just I've been able to go to camps, you know, in Europe and kind of had a chance to watch Dirk twice uh, while he was actually my coach at a camp, but had a chance to watch him work out like two to five when it was lunch break and it was just uh it's crazy he had like six guys around him and he was just working his butt off just and it was just june like his season just ended like two weeks before that and it was just crazy to see how a guy that uh is on a max deal with dallas he has tons of success he's on the nba finals he's still working that hard and uh that's something you gotta learn it's not it's not all about money for some guys you know maybe Maybe some kids think that it's just all about money and I want to make it big just for the money. But I think for Dirk, from what I've seen, it's, it's more than that. It's more than just just a game and just a job. Is that sort of the motto you live by? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've talked to my agent. I think he knows that I'm not just going to take the highest paying job just because the highest paying job, I think, has to be right fit. It's a fit that I'll, I have to be able to succeed in. And uh, it's not really about making the most money right now. Yeah, when I'm 32, I'm probably <laughs> going to go like for the highest paying job. But right now, I think it's about my career and kind of my legacy and kind of create a path for other Romanian players you know, to kind of follow. And so if you're trying to make the NBA, you say you're going to be the second Romanian player. Second, uh, well, third, because Ernie Grunfeld was the first, but then his Amer he became an American citizen. Then George Morrison was the second, and I'll be the third, second, third, I guess. <laughs> well, we, we definitely wish you the best of success for, I was speaking for everyone here at AU and everyone watching you this year. You definitely have been a thrill to watch. I mean, being, seeing, seeing you from the sidelines is uh, I mean, definitely a treat seeing you drop 39 against Lehigh, seeing you drop I think it's 35 against Colgate. Also, um, I guess from more of a basketball perspective. What was it like? Because uh, news last week was uh, Jim Laranega is going to Miami, Florida, and he was once your former coach. What was it like playing with him for Mason? And then what was it like playing with uh, Jeff Jones here at AU? It was very similar. Uh, coach L uh, was at Virginia, an assistant coach, and you can see that. And then clearly JJ played at Virginia, so they're very similar which kind of made the transition a lot easier. Uh, well, I'm talking about, like, practice schedule and uh, the way we practice and all that kind of stuff. You know, there wasn't a ton of stuff that was very different. Uh, so it was, I think it was an easy transition, and also the guys the guys on the team here and the coaches here made it really easy for me to adjust the stuff that I didn't know. And there was some stuff that I knew, but... Like the stuff that I didn't know, they really made it easy for me to uh, just pick it up really quick. All right, um, Paul from Gold Coast Australia wants to know what what sports person do you admire?
from other sports as an inspiration. So I guess from a non non basketball, are there any other uh, people out there that you sort of inspire to be like from a different sport? Absolutely. If you look at tennis player, you look at the same way Nadal works and the way he plays and the way Roger Federer carries himself off uh you know, off off the court when he's not playing and I think those are the guys that people should choose as models. You know, uh you it's really important for someone to choose the right model. And you you can't just choose one guy because I think everybody's human, you know, everybody's gonna make one mistake at some point. If you choose that guy then you might choose the right like the wrong path when it comes to that. But if you pick like if you really just pick a couple of guys and you take the best parts out of them and you strive for that, I think that's that's what you want and said I think tennis players uh they're really good as role models. Like I love watching Nadal and Federer play. And the way Federer carry himself on and off the court is, is really amazing. Are you, are you a pretty big soccer fan? I mean being from Europe, I'm kind of assuming this but Yeah. <laughs> I'd say uh who's your favorite team? I guess they're uh, it's, it's been Barcelona for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I said, you, I know growing up with a, especially an all basketball family. Did you ever play soccer? Or yeah, I, start, I started off with soccer. I was uh, about five and a half, I think. I started off with soccer for like about a year and a half. Uh, that's when my mom was playing away from from Bucharest, or my home. Then uh, she moved back to Bucharest, and when she moved back, uh, well, we moved back, but. Uh, she wouldn't let me play soccer anymore because it was just it's a really big city and she didn't like the coaches and it's a long story and she was like do you want to pick up basketball and I was like I don't know I don't know so I mean all this time I was in the gym with her every time she had practice so I've been playing basketball since I was like three more like one but <laughs> kind of actually be able to dribble basketball but uh it was just a matter of uh, do I want to do soccer? Well, my stepdad said I'm not crazy enough to be a goalie, and I really wanted to be a goalie. That was just the only thing I really liked. Uh, so it was just a combination of all things, and I kind of picked up basketball, and uh, I was fortunate to have a really good team around me there. So I really liked the guys, so that really made it easy for me to just kind of go to practice every day. And, you know, I liked the coach, and it was fun because it was it was competitive. The first year they put us in the in the championship, you know, in the tournament, and we got a national championship game, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was especially for my first year playing basketball with a team and just being organized, and it was it was good to know that we got the championship the first game. You know, you want to do it again after that. So I'm sure if we'd have finished last, I don't know if it was that much fun. So what's it like playing for your country, playing on a national team? Because I mean, being some of my size, and I probably never <laughs> reached that. Uh, goal in my life, but what's it like representing your country playing for a national team? Oh, it's great. Um, it's not just about the atmosphere. It's not just about. It's not about myself kind of playing for a national team. It's about all the other people uh, that know that believe in us and that just work for their country every day. And you got to go on the floor and just represent them, represent everyone. Uh, you know, if. Uh, so it, it, it's tough. I think when you lose a, a game with national team, that's when I feel like the the world kind of just get really heavy, and I feel on my shoulders, and uh, it's just a, a it's it's a different feeling. You can't really compare that to any college games or uh, like pro professional basketball games. 
because you don't really get paid for that. And uh, some guys come and do it, and uh, they kind of like walk through it, and they say it's whatever. Uh, I'm not one of those guys. I take a lot of pride with the national team, and uh, the fact that we won three games, three out of four games last summer, and we're in first place right now for the European Championship, uh, the qualifying round. I think that's just a great feeling compared to the year before when we lost four out of four. And I was just embarrassed. I, just, I had no idea how to get out of Romania quicker. And so, transitioning to America, what what is sort of the differences you've noticed with the style of play from Europe to the States? Oh, it's huge. Uh, this, the game's a lot faster, I think. Uh, a lot less defense compared to what's going on in Europe, especially team defense. Uh, here it's kind of like, you guard your man, I'm going to guard mine, and you know if you need help, I'll get there sometimes. Uh, I mean, it's just how it is from what I've seen, and it's just... I feel like that's what separated the U.S. team the last World Cup, them being able to actually defend really well as a team compared to defend just one-on-one because European teams don't design plays for a player to play one-on-one. That's very rarely. Unless you got a guy probably like Josh Childress that played in Europe, then if you got a guy that actually played in the NBA, he's really good. He comes to Europe, then you probably have a play designed for him to play one-on-one. But that's that doesn't happen very often, and it's really a team concept. If you look at the league and score in Spain, in Spain league, which is pretty much the best league in Europe, he averages 17 points a game. It's J.C. Carroll, who's an American. But it's just, uh, yeah, like if you look overall, most league scorers are Americans, but none of them average like 25, 20 a game. They all average about 17, 16. That's because those countries, it's a really good basketball, it's team-oriented basketball. So we clearly saw that with uh, Brandon Jennings, who played in Italy. So going from about 25 in high school to I mean, roughly under 10. Yeah, it's just it's the way the game's played, and probably a lot of people think Brandon Jennings had a bad year in Italy. But I think for a rookie to have a year like that in Italy, that's not bad at all. On a very good team, and uh, the same time he got experience that I don't think he could have had in college. Especially he was a one and done guy, and it sounded like he was going to graduate, and. I think that was a smart choice. He made some money. He played on a really good team. He played in the EuroLeague. And I think that helped him. It's like that really good rookie year he had with, with the Bucks. All right, and I guess um, yeah, I guess one more question before we take a music break and we'll get you out of here for, your, <laughs> for class to finish up before you graduate. Um, what has been your most memorable moment here at AU? Um, that's tough. I think... Uh, on the court, I'm not going to forget the Lafayette game. I think that's going to stay with me. Uh, you really can't forget that. I think uh, the best one was kind of like beating DePaul. That was my first game here. And it was just a great feeling being able to beat a Big East team, you know. But uh, I think I'm never going to be able to forget Lafayette game in the playoffs here. That's, uh, that's something I'm never going to forget, and it's definitely going to stay with me. Uh, Kind of like I was talking to uh, Coach Jones about it. It's always going to be there in the back of your mind, no matter what. And uh, he's telling about his last game, and he always, he always remember that. It's just, uh, it's tough when you you really want something that bad, and you put it all on the line, and you know it's your last chance. You know, it's just uh, that's kind of like Larry Bird going out with loss, and I, I mean he hated that. He always he always talks about that, and it's just you don't want to go out that way. You want to win a championship, and it's like, though I won two championships in college, 
I didn't really win one. You know, it's just it's just the way the way life is, and uh, I think that's it. It's just got to move on and do your best to get over it, but uh, you can't really forget it. <laughs> it was one of those yeah. things. Then off the court, I feel like uh, being just being able to graduate and uh, moving on with your life that's that's a huge thing for everyone. Just being able to graduate, I think nowadays kids don't really. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to come back to school later. Like, very few kids do that. And it, it's hard when you take a break to actually come back to school. And, like, I admire Vince Carter for doing it, coming back to UNC and just graduating. But most of the guys don't do it. And then you end up with guys being broke in the NBA. They have no idea what to do with their money. And when they're broke, what do they do? They still have to play in the NBDL, like Antoine Walker, for a couple thousand dollars. So you don't want to be in that situation. I think you really got to realize that. Though you might not make a million dollars a year right now, but when you get out of college, if you actually split those years and the amount you could have made, I think it's not worth it. Just kind of like skip through college. So off the court, definitely getting a degree from American universities is, is just the biggest thing for me. All right, so uh, that will do it for our interview, and I gotta say, I wish you best. We wish you the very best of success, Vlad, going into uh, first graduating. Yeah. And then uh, whatever happens, whether playing in the States or playing in Europe. Um, once again, Vlad Mulvaney, American University Zone. Thank you once again for coming on to the show. And when we come back, we will definitely talk about uh, more of the NHL, uh, crazy news in the college, in college basketball world, and predictions for the rest of the playoffs and baseball news. So once again, you're listening to Fanatic Radio on WVAU. Everything, even start a world 
war For these ghetto girls and boys I'm rapping round the world for Africa to New York Haiti then I detour Oakland out to Oakland Got the strip to Detroit They hip hop only destroy Tell them look at me boy I hope your son don't have a gun And never be a D-boy
got the refugees, all stars, rubber dubbing in the club. Why Clef John? John Forte.
the bottle. Maybe it's inside the bottle. I had the good old, but it's Kings. 
and after that overtime win on Saturday, Boston has a 3-2 lead over the Canadiens. So, hockey. I'm very I'm terribly sorry I've not been following it as much as I want to, but definitely check out those games. Try to find some way to, you know, look at it online or anything. Anything you can do to watch it, because with those overtime games, that's the hockey I know. That's the hockey I've grown up and listened to and watched. Awesome job for that. And uh, I guess the final topic to talk about before we head out, uh, the NFL dra- terribly as I admit, the NFL draft is this weekend. So make sure you are indeed tuned in, ready to listen to that. Uh, the big prospects, Cam Newton. Uh, we had, we had uh, Cole Patterson on way, way, a long time ago, way back. But uh, the NFL draft, is this, is, I think it's Friday, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we have guys like uh, Blaine Gabbert, Locker, Newton, uh, Ryan Millat, Marcus Ingram. I personally think uh, Carolina doesn't really need Cam Newton, but uh, everyone's thinking, oh, is a defensive end go? Will a quarterback go? I guess with the draft, you can't really tell. Uh, all I know is the Cowboys need a safety, and hopefully Dallas can clean that up. But yeah, um, nonetheless, NFL Draft is this weekend, so also Bud Light's doing some cool thing with um, predict the, get a, uh, $10 million if you predict the entire first round. So get all 32 guys right, and you're rolling dough. But... Uh, nonetheless, uh, baseball we go. We have some standings updates. Boston. Now this is the Boston team we have laughed at all spring. They are now third. They are third on a five-game win streak with a 10-11 record of one game behind 500, three and a half from the Bronx Bombers, who have a 12 and six record leading. One of the, uh, well, I guess here's a sub just for laughs. The Baltimore Orioles did start off with six and zero. They are now eight and twelve. Going on a three-game losing streak. The Tribes still lead in the AL Central. One and a half games ahead of Detroit. My Rangers, the Josh hamilton list Rangers, 14-7 record. Still going strong, leading the AL West to the NL. 15-6 record is what the Phillies hold. Uh, currently on a five-game win streak as well. Uh, Natinals still currently set 500. Four and a half out of first. The Central, picking up the win last night, the Cardinals take sole possession of first at the 12-10. and 10. One, uh, one game win streak. The Reds are currently third. 500 record of 11-11. And the AL West, I guess not the best record in baseball anymore. Because that currently will go to the Phillies. Or the, yes, the Phillies. But tied with the Rangers for a 14-7 and 7 record, leading the AL, or leading the NL West, the Colorado Rockies. Hopefully, uh, Tulo and company can keep it up. But, uh, yeah, that will do it for our show today. For everyone at AU Athletics for helping me arrange with uh, the whole Vlad Mulvaney interview. Thank you to, personally, thank you for Vlad. Thank you for the fans and everyone, listeners that have that submitted a question into Facebook. Uh, we can definitely do that again next year. I'm all for getting, the, getting you guys involved. Uh, Whitney Ambrose, my music director, everyone here at WVAU. Thank you 
once again for all your contributions and whatnot. Uh, next week, a May second show. It is still TBA. I'll be done. We'll be done with finals then. But indeed, we'll possibly. You know, we'll have a show. I'm I'm all for having a show. Stay tuned though. Uh, Facebook. I'll keep everyone on the on the DL and everyone posted on what's going to happen next week. But for everyone here at WVAU, uh, thank you all for listening. Once again, thank you for everyone that helped me out with the show. We'll, uh, good luck to everyone at American University. Good luck on finals and closing out the semester strong, including myself. I have one on Friday, but hopefully I can get a solid grade out of that.